You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer podcast published by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It is August 8th, 2021, and Atlanta United's 12-game winless streak is over. The Five Stripes defeated the Columbus Crew 3-2 on Saturday night at beautiful, from what I hear, I didn't get to go, Lower.com Stadium. Goals were scored by Ezekiel Barco in the fifth minute. Ezekiel Barco on a penalty won by Marcelino Moreno in the 35th minute. Columbus answered with a header from Jonathan Mensa in the 37th minute. Marcelino Moreno added a, another goal, the team's third, in the 65th minute on a penalty that he won. And then Columbus answered with a penalty of its own by Pedro Santos in the first minute of stoppage time. With the win, Atlanta United has three on the season and is now six points behind the sixth and seventh place teams in the East uh, with 16 games remaining, I believe it is, doing the math off the top of my head. Atlanta United had 17 shots, seven on target. It had possession advantage of 53.5% to 46.5. And the team created 14 chances, which is uh, tied for the second most uh, in the season. The man of the match, in my opinion, was Ezekiel Barco. Five shots, four on goal, four chances created, two goals, and a passing percentage of 90.6%, uh, which is pretty darn good. Uh, Atlanta United is going to host LAFC on Sunday to see if it can put together its first two-game win streak in the league since the first two games of last season, which, as I just wrote in a story that you can find if you follow me on Twitter, a lifetime ago. It was Rob Valentino's first win as the team's interim manager in his fifth match. And we're going to get into that uh, in your questions in just a second. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And if you want to, on the Instagrams uh, at Douglas David Robertson. I typically go on there uh, after the starting lineups are announced to give you my thoughts on that. If you want my thoughts, uh, if you don't, I totally understand. There are a lot of good people out there providing good coverage of the team. Uh, let's get into your questions. And the first one is the one that got asked the most by many, many different people. Um, so we're just going to jump right into it. Should Rob Valentino be given a longer look? This is asked by Aaron, Josh, Nick, and a few other people. The players clearly love playing for him, and he's getting great performances from players who haven't met their potential under other managers so far. 
You know, it is a great question. Uh, keep in mind, it's just one win in five matches. Uh, when the team fired Gabriel Heinze uh, in mid-July, uh, they were very clear that Valentino was going to be the interim manager. They've already been turned down by one candidate, reportedly turned down by one candidate. They've asked to interview another, and that was Gonzalo Pineda, Seattle Sounders, <laughs> Seattle Sounders assistant. It's been quiet since then. It, I wouldn't, frankly, be surprised if they don't let Valentino coach the rest of the season. Uh, the team seems to be trending upward under him, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, and uh, bring in another coach and change everything again. It just seems like you're going backward instead of forward. Um, but we'll see what Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra want to do. I think Rob Valentino is doing a fantastic job. Uh, this team under him more closely resembles those to Tata than it did under Frank DeBoer, under Stephen Glass, um, and under Heinze. Uh, it's a team that goes forward. It's a team that attacks. It's a team that takes a lot of risks. Uh, and when it works, it's fantastic. And when it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, Columbus, its best chances last night, the first goal came from a, a set piece in which uh, Miles Robinson got partially picked by a Columbus player, which led to Mensa being open. Some of y'all were saying that Brad Guzan should have still made the save. I, I don't know. Without being in there and without seeing it from Guzan's angle, I can't tell you if he should or shouldn't have. I know that it was an odd header. It was a low header. It came from a weird angle. And I don't know if Brad could even see the thing uh, before it was on top of him. How will Luis Aruhu's arrival affect the form we're in offensively right now? Uh, that's going to be a good question. Uh, I don't think we'll find out a lot about the team with him in the lineup against LAFC if he comes on. I think it would likely just be for a cameo for a few minutes at the end of the, at the, end of the game to ask him to come in and start. I think it's asking a bit too much, uh, but we'll see. He should be in shape or close to being in shape because uh, Lil in, in France's first division had already started. So he would have gone through training camp. He's going to be fit. Um, but I'm excited to see him play. You watch the, the highlights, and he seems like an exciting player. He seems like he's a good worker uh, on offense and defense. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Um, and, and him bringing out the best in others is going to be the key. Joseph asks, is there any real alternative to selling Ezekiel Barco in order to accommodate Tiago Almeida. And uh, I believe there is. And I've covered this in one story already. I've covered it on Twitter, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there in the cyberverse. So I understand if you didn't see it. But I believe from reading the MLS rules, so MLS teams get three designated players. Atlanta's are Joseph Martinez, Ezekiel Barco, and now Arahu, 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 I'm sorry, Arahujo. They had to buy down Alan Franco to add Arahujo. It's also allowed three players under 22 who can be kind of designated players. Uh, there are a couple of restrictions with those. But in reading the rules, one of those players can be bought down to accommodate another designated player. So Atlanta's three under-22 players are Santiago Sosa, Franco Abara, and Eric Lopez. I think, I think the team can buy down 
one of those guys, add in Tiago Almada, who's supposed to be joining in January. As long as his salary doesn't exceed six hundred something thousand dollars, I think is correct um, in his first year. Um, but I need to go back and reread the rules. But yes, I think that both can be accommodated. Um, but don't start telling your friends that this is what they can do because MLS rules are a Byzantine and odd thing, and I'm trying to make my way through it. Ben asks, if Sosa needs a break, I need a coffee break, so I'm going to take one really quick. Y'all take one, too. If I remember right, Ben says, he never got a break from the river season to this one. The guy plays hard but looks gassed mentally, fine physically, but he is young, so expected compared to early in the season. I've been saying this for two weeks. I think Sosa is tired. Uh, credit to him for continuing to go out there and play. Um, you didn't see the type of defensive mistakes um, that you saw from him in previous games, and that might be because he's now getting used to having three center backs behind him instead of being one of those three pseudo center backs when he would drop back in between the lines. Um, I thought Sosa had a good game last night along with uh, Mateus Ozetu. Uh, who will be another Brazilian on the team after Arahujo. Um I thought Rosetto had a fa- his, finally a really good game from him. We really haven't seen that. I know some of you say you've seen it, but I haven't seen it. Um, and it's my podcast, so there. Um, but I thought he played really, really well last night. Now he's just got to keep it going um, and doing what Valentino wants him to do, which is get the ball and get forward and go forward. There was really only one time last night, and it happened in the first minute, that I thought that uh, Huzetu and Sosa were both out of position, and that's when Nagby got the ball, and he was already he received it behind them. He'd already gotten ahead of both of them, and that's not how you beat Columbus. you got to keep Nagby under control, and I thought the team did that last night. Um, all right, let's go to Adam. Uh, apart from the middle of the match, the ball movement was exceptional tonight, as was the movement off the ball. Safe to say the two were related. Why do you think that was possible tonight? Uh, a couple of things. Uh, I think that having Barco back helps, having Bello back helps, having them just kind of getting back used to being in Atlanta United and with the team and with the staff and doing the tactics and everything, just repetition always helps. So I think that that was why you started to see some more good play and good movement and good action off the ball. When I was uh, – Earning my MBA from Georgia State a few years ago, one of the things I learned in my marketing class under several quality professors is you've got to get messages out there at least seven times uh, for it to finally stick. And so I'm sure that under Valentino, this is his fifth game, you're going to start to see things getting better and better uh, within reason uh, against opponents. So now opponents are trying to win two, so they're going to do things to try to counter that, and then it's up to Valentino and the players to figure that out and make their own counters. But that's why I think it looked better last night. Coffee break. Adam continues, marking from the midfielders is still an issue. Do you believe the optimal D-mid for Atlanta is already on the roster, or will that be a need for next season? No, I think Sosa is going to grow into the job. I think uh, that's Franco Abar's role. He can do that as well. I think Mo Adams is a good third choice. I thought Mo was a fine player last year, all things considered. I know some of you didn't like him as much. Um, I think he's a good choice. So, no, I don't think that's a position that Atlanta United is going to need to go after. 
Uh, in all honesty, if Atlanta United keeps progressing, I don't know what position they need to go after next season. Um, because let's say that they sell George Bellow, where they have Gutman on loan at Red Bulls, who is a really good fullback. Uh, y'all probably don't pay a whole, whole lot of attention to him, but he's a really good fullback who can come in. Let's say they sell Robinson. I think George Campbell, with experience, is going to be a very, very good center back. I don't know if he's U.S. national pool yet, but I think he's a very good center back. His ability on the ball is already a lot better than Robinson's was his first year in Major League Soccer. Um, right fullback, you got Brooks Linden. Ronald Hernandez is on loan. We'll see what happens there. To me, he's still an iffy player. Some of his, his first touch just often lets him down. Uh, that could have just been an anomaly last night, but – it seems like he just can't put one good game together in all areas, but we'll see. He's, you know, still gaining experience. Um, Barco, you got Almeida. Anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, marking for the midfielders is still an issue. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I just read that one. Michael asks, how much of tonight's win represents progress the team can build on as opposed to the usual issues being masked by some good luck? It's great to get a win, especially on the road. But with two goals called back on fairly close offside calls and two PKs off fouls that were hardly clear goal-scoring opportunities, this still feels like a team that struggles to finish and is prone to serious defensive miscues. That's probably fair. Um, but offside is offside, and that's how it works. Uh, Atlanta United tried to get them offside, and they got them offside. And Columbus paid. Um, the PKs... Marcelino Moreno was the first to react. He, he was aggressive in both instances. He won the PKs. They were fair and square. That's how it goes. Um, the defensive miscues, they do need to be cleaned up. When you're a team struggling to make the playoffs, you can't keep giving up set-piece goals. Uh, uh, and I don't know how many – I need to go back and look up how many Atlanta United has given up. Uh, but just headers alone, it's given up how many in the past – like five in the past three games, something bizarre like that. That's just not good. Um, so they, they got to get that cleaned up. Eric asks, with a week until the next game, do you know how the team handles days off? Uh, I imagine that they flew back last night, uh, charter. They'll get uh, – today will be a recovery day, so some of the guys are going to go in and get uh, rub downs, massages, cold tubs, that kind of thing. They'll probably get Monday off and then they'll return on Tuesday. Uh, did the team stay in Columbus Saturday night, or did they fly back immediately? I think they probably flew back immediately because they're on charter. And they were they went from Montreal to Columbus. I think that's the second time this season they've stayed on the road uh, for matches. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the schedule to remember what the other uh, instance was. It was back-to-back -back road games. Um what was it? Uh, I'm trying to find it real quick for y'all. It was. It might have been champ. It was Champions League. Uh, New England Philadelphia Champions League is what that was. Um, is it a coaching decision, or would time off be pre-scheduled based on the schedule? Uh, no, it's it's a little bit of both. There are rules, uh, as Gabriel Heinze learned, uh, about training and training time that must be followed in, in the. Uh, collective bargaining agreement between the players union and uh, the league. Um, plus the team's tired. It's played a lot of games recently. It needs to get its legs back. It wouldn't surprise me if they take Tuesday off too, since they don't play until Sunday. Um, and I imagine one of these days, Monday or Tuesday, we're going to have a press conference for uh, 
Arahujo, Introduction to Atlanta United. Uh, and this, I accidentally deleted the name, but I want to thank whoever sent me this. Thanks for all your great work covering the team and especially the podcast. I was new to soccer when Atlanta United came into existence. And thanks to what I've learned from listening to your podcast, I can actually carry it carry out somewhat intelligent soccer conversations with my much more soccer-savvy family. Well, I'm going to take that as a compliment because I, I think that sometimes I am somewhat intelligent, sometimes I'm, I'm downright dumb, uh, and that's okay by me. Uh, I still think that the red card against Martinez was deserved, uh, and I have been proven correct on that, but that's okay. Ben asks, those crew kits, yay or nay, I like them. Uh, I like them a lot more than the inner Miami kits. And watching some more games last night, it still boggles my mind that Colorado does not have a kit sponsor. Uh, but anyway, Pat says, the comment by Ezekiel Barco about Marcelino Moreno taking the penalty kick showed a lot of maturity. Seems like Valentino has brought out qualities in players that might have been stifled under FDB and Heinze. Uh, comments on Rob's approach, please. To sum up what she's, what he or she uh, I don't know, Pat, if it's a man or a woman, is referring to as Marco said he really wanted to take that last penalty kick because he's never before scored a hat trick. But Marino is full of confidence, and when a player is full of confidence, you let them take it. Well, that was a very nice gesture by Barco. Uh, Marino, of course, buried the penalty kick. He scored three goals now in the past three games. He leads the team with six. Uh, I, I don't know if it's so much Valentino doing anything different as just Barco is maturing. He was, what, 18 years old when he joined Atlanta United. He's now 21 or 22, and he's grown. Uh, and But I do think that you're seeing a, a – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a, a smarter Barco, a more wise Barco on the field. I wrote in a story last night that you could find about if Barco's reached a turning point with the team. Um, you know, some of these runs that he made, like the one against Montreal that led to a goal and the one on the first goal against Columbus, in past games he might have tried to look for the foul instead of running away from defenders and looking for a teammate. We've seen that many, many times. I don't think it's it's wrong of me or rude of me to suggest that that was a legitimate possibility because we've seen it so often. Uh, Barco was only fouled three times last night, and they were all legitimate. None of them were Barco kind of holding onto the ball and sticking his rear end out looking for someone to hit him. Um, I think that's Valentino telling him, get forward, get forward, go, go, go. Uh, it's kind of resonating with him, and we'll see what happens against LAFC. Reese uh, asks, is the Columbus match partial proof that Barco and Marino can coexist uh, yeah, well, it would seem so. The Montreal and Columbus matches are a proof of that. A lot of it is – the big concern about both of them was defensively. Could they handle the defensive workload, and Valentino is getting them to do that now, and is could they stay out of each other's way because they both kind of drift into the same spaces? You only saw it a couple of times last night that they kind of got on top of each other a little bit. They were within five or six yards of each other. Some of that was just – the situation, some of it was just a lack of awareness by them, but that's kind of the key is they can't get into each other's spaces, and they'll work that out. They seem to be working it out fine. Coffee break. And Reese continues, what's going on with Sosa? He's had a rough stretch of matches. Um, I think I covered that one. 
would love to hear injury updates on the likes of Ibarra, Mulraney, and Lennon. I, I covered that uh, on Thursday. The injury updates usually come from the manager two days before each game. I don't think Ibarra, Mulraney, or Lennon are going to come back for LAFC. Maybe Lennon. And I say that only because it's the vibe we get from Valentino's answers, the tone, and everything. Um, he, they said they, they keep asking Mulraney, but his foot or whatever it is keeps hurting. Abara muscle thing, Lynn's a muscle thing. So it'll just depend upon treatment and everything. Rob, not Valentino, asks, So people talk about the steep drop in player quality since 2018, but when you compare player by player, I think the only drop has been Miggy's replacement. What are your thoughts? No, I think there's been a lot steeper drops than that. Uh, you know, Miles, no one's replaced Michael Parkhurst uh, in the back. No one's replaced Carlos Carmona or Jeff Lernowitz, that defensive midfielder. Um, no one has replaced Almiron. Almiron was just like a unicorn in Major League Soccer. No one's replaced him uh, for Atlanta United. But so you take what the talent you have and you coach them up, so to speak. And that's what Valentino is trying to do. Um and we'll see how Arahujo does. Peter asks, what does the lineup look like when everyone is back and healthy? So I'm going to assume you mean not like guys who are out for the season, just the guys who have suffered short-term injuries. So out for the season will be Hyman. So I'm going to do this off the top of my head. Striker, Joseph Martinez. Attacking midfielders, Barco and Moreno. Arahujo. On the wing, Huzetu um, and Sosa in the middle, so that's five. Uh, two center backs. We're going to switch from the back three to a back two of Robinson and Walks, Bello and um, Lennon. As the fullbacks, I need a left midfielder. Uh, Mulraney on the left and uh, Guzan in goal. I think that was 11. Uh, that would be my starting That would be my starting 11. Um, and that's a pretty good starting 11. Really, the, the big question to me is how you get Barco, Moreno, and Arahujo all in the midfield together. You almost have to do uh, like a 4-2-3-1. I think, um, yeah, a four-two-three-one. Uh, that 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 could work. Uh, it's going to involve the fullbacks really having to run a lot, but we'll see. Coffee break. Jeff says, in my opinion, the team is playing with a lot more passion and creativity over the last five games. Do you credit Valentino for this or the absence of hindsight? Yes. Uh, yes, the answer is both. I think Heinze had the guys thinking way too much, really worried about being out of position or even being a yard out of position, and you just can't play uh, when you're having to think that much. Valentino's freed them up, uh, let them just go forward, attack, focusing on one or two things and doing those, and it, the results are paying off. Now, I will say this. Under Heinze, you know, and Eels tried, pointed this out a couple of weeks before they fired him. Um, in the past, his teams 
typically started poorly and then got it turned around and became juggernauts. That was their hope with Atlanta United, and it didn't happen, but it's happening now. It's, I think, too much to call Atlanta United an offensive juggernaut, but it is looking much better than it did under Heinze. Uh, but I do think a lot of the credit should be given to Valentino and not Heinze for being smart about how to use the guys. Saxophones, that's the Twitter handle, says, uh, did Kubo make it on the plane or is he still in the corner? That's a funny question. He's referring to Kubo Torres taking about 30 seconds out of the game last night smartly by having the ball in the corner and not giving it up, uh, really fighting off several Columbus players. For real, though, when was the last time Atlanta United scored two penalties in a game and with uh, Arahujo coming on in form of the last three games, what is Atlanta United's full-strength lineup now? I'll just answer that one. Uh, I don't know the last time Atlanta United scored two penalties in a game. I'd have to go back and look that up for you. Um, and I don't want to like stop the podcast right now to go and do that. But it's a good question, and I thank you for it. Lewis asks, any coffee recommendations? Whatever is cheapest at the grocery store, it doesn't matter to me as long as it has caffeine. Is Huzetu or Pedri a guy that speeds up the run of play by making quick passes and keeping sound coverage positioning so our DPs can score goals? Or should we ask him to score more goals? Uh, no, I don't I don't think asking Huzetu to score goals is part of the plan. I mean, he could be that late runner into the box and maybe score a couple of goals, but I don't think like he should be actively looking to score goals. He's got to monitor his, his defensive responsibilities. Um, I thought that he, again, had a really good game, his first really good game uh, in two seasons for the team last night. And the more he plays, the higher the probability that he's going to be able to repeat this because it just repetition breeds confidence and confidence breeds results. And I'm going to see now if we have any more questions. If we don't, I'm going to wrap up this edition of the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. Um, I don't see any more questions. I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now and on the Instagrams at Douglas David Robertson. Um, I hope you all are doing well. It's a beautiful Sunday. I hope you all get to go out and enjoy it. Please. Um, Take care of your families. The COVID vaccine or the COVID is still killing people and, and making people sick. Um, and I hope you all are well. And thank you for following me. Thank you for your coverage or thank you for reading my coverage. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.